This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people. And that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, providing you with insights into the current market and your competition, benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting orbitiongroup.com. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Bethany Lyons, the Chief Product Officer at Cower Analytics. So, Bethany, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited to be here. No, no, uh, I'm I'm very excited. So I guess for context for the listeners, me and you connected on LinkedIn probably several months back now, and I just kept seeing you pop up in my LinkedIn feed, um, talking a lot of sense about the intersection of product and data. So I uh, I thought right, we need to we need to make this happen. And uh, a few weeks later, here we are. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. Um, so where we always start, Bethany, is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and, I guess, journey up until this point in time, if you would be so kind. Yeah, sure. Happy to. So I guess my my background is I'm a bit of a, a math nerd. I studied math in my undergrad and operations research in my master's, um, then landed at Tableau as one of the first consultants in uh, the European business. So that was back Back before Tableau was was popular, back before it was cool, <laughs> I guess. And uh, yeah, so I worked in the in the pre-sales consulting team for about uh, I think five years, and then product management for about four years um, at at Tableau. So my my claim to fame is that I I helped build LOD calcs um, and uh, relationships, the noodle, and then less well known is uh, set actions and the set control uh feature so all the all the powerful stuff that like power users love I, I i had a hand in that um then i moved on to muse i was only there for about nine months it's a it's a hotel tech company that it's basically a crm plus an erp system in one for the hotel industry and there i built uh their kind of reporting and analytics that it's like packaged inside the the erp system if you will um, and then in February of this year, I moved on to Kawa Analytics, where I am now. Yep, very good, very good. Um, 
So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Are you? Do you consider yourself to be a product person or a data person? I I consider myself to be an analytics person. So <laughs> neither. <laughs> I would Good say answer. like at my if I had to reach into the, the my soul and be like where do i fit i i'm an anal i'm a data analyst right okay good <laughs> and uh very passionate about building data analytics software so that's how i've ended up at both tableau and kawa doing that yeah yeah absolutely well look give us a little bit of insight if you would then into kawa as a business just who you are what you do and problems you're trying to solve etc yeah cool um so kawa is in the simplest terms it is a low-code spreadsheet for big data so imagine pairing the power, uh, automation, and scale of an ETL and BI platform with the flexibility and ease of use of a spreadsheet. That's that's Kawa. We essentially enable business users to build out complex data transformations, uh, business logic, uh, and analytics and automations all in a spreadsheet interface. Um, our origin is actually from a Tableau customer. So we were built by... Uh, the former global head of trading technology at BNP Paribas, the largest European bank. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually one of Tableau's largest customers. And they had 60 consultants building dashboards for 300 salespeople and traders. And even with that many consultants, this salespeople and traders could not do their job. Their job is to for, for the traders to price inventory and then send that over in an automated fashion into a quotation system for salespeople to be able to quote customers. Um, and that process was all very manual. Like there was like a telephone was involved, uh, exporting dashboards to Excel was involved. And so Hussam took matters into his own hands and said, I'm going to build a product to solve this. And within a week, uh, 300 salespeople and traders migrated off of the dash- dashboards onto his self-service spreadsheet um they automated the whole process from um pricing to quotation which then meant that they were able to increase the conversion from prospects to customers and then also eliminate 60 consultants so after Mm -hmm. that he realized i think i've just proven product market fit so he went out to um, a bunch of hedge funds and they all invested not the hedge funds money but their actual personal money um in financing oh. Kawa. so we're we're backed by a bunch of angel investors in in hedge funds who said who you know their their, the- their investment thesis was we need this product so therefore we'll invest in it yeah well a fascinating story so that the the product was effectively built at bnp and then the the big boss realized hang, hang on a minute <laughs> Hang on a minute. This yeah. has broader application. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so just give us a bit of insight then into your, I guess, role and responsibility as the chief product officer. What you know, what's the what's the end game for you? What are you there to to achieve? So I would say the number one question I'm tasked with an- answering at the moment is who is our customer? Um, because obviously the product was originally built for BNP, and now we're trying to figure out. You know, what's the broader market? Is it just financial services? Uh, I think the answer to that is no, it's actually very general purpose. And so um, we can bring it to lots of different markets, um, like strategy and and planning and operations for sales ops teams, for example, is like a really good use case for us. Um, So yeah, it's really figuring out who's the customer and how much are they willing to pay? What's our business model? Um, And then once we double down on knowing the answer to those questions, then we can figure out like 
what's the roadmap to make the product even more delightful for our ideal customer profile? Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. Okay, well, look, let's let's jump into this then. Obviously, the the kind of intersection of where data and analytics meets product, and there's an awful lot of debate, which um, I see you're very active in on on LinkedIn. <laughs> so um, I think we have an interesting conversation here. But I guess there seems, in my opinion, at least, to be uh, a fair amount of confusion between what people are considering to be kind of data work, so data projects, if you want to call it that and data products and how all of that fits together um what are, what are the differences in in your eyes between a data project and a data product that's mm-hmm. a that's a really good question so i would say it has to do with uh in a, a pro in a project the goal is to deliver a value proposition that is known up front and so project managers their job is really to shepherd a project through to completion to deliver that kind of upfront defined value proposition with a product the value proposition is ongoing and continuous and constantly changing um and so there's no there's no such thing as a completed project it doesn't have a product doesn't have an endpoint it's something that you continually iterate and refine that lives on in perpetuity so that to me is the biggest difference between kind of a project and a product and that extends in the in the data world as well as kind of products in general. Mm, yeah, no and that makes that makes perfect sense. I think what I seem to be witnessing quite a lot and I don't know whether this is more of a you know marketing or hype around the buzzwords that that kind of pop up in our industry but there seems to be an awful lot of just regular project work being done but being Mm. labeled as product because for whatever reason that seems to be getting a little bit more attention and maybe adoption i don't know if you've witnessed the same thing or not yeah i i I have uh for sure and i guess um so to me i i guess there's there's two things there's data like product management principles applied to data and then there's data products and the way I kind of think about it is uh, project managed or product management applied to data is a methodology, whereas a data product is an output. And uh, so the methodology can generate lots of different outputs. A data product is just an example of an output that you might generate by applying product management principles to to data. So I, I'm I'm not so kind of strict in the view that like, in order to be doing product management in data, you have to produce data products. I think if you're producing data products, it's true that you must be doing data product management, but the con, con- yeah. positive, whatever it is, the reverse <laughs> yeah. is not is not necessarily the case. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my view on that. Yeah. Uh, and are we is that where we start then to creep into the realms of, you know, data products versus data as a product? Is that just the kind of the product management thinking and design around the, uh, is that the key difference there? That's yeah, so I I I, I think the the key difference for me is product management applied to data is about taking a a look at the value proposition that you're offering. And I think um Today, most data teams, they operate as like an IT service desk where there's just a lot of requests and they're kind of measured on like, what's the throughput of requests that you're processing? Like how quickly are you ticking them off Um, in very much of an IT service desk kind of way? So data product management is about trying to guide your work uh, 
in a value driven way. Um, so that might mean, you know, it, a lot of product management is about saying no. It's like, what's the 3% of stuff that we're going to build that delivers a very concrete value proposition to a very specific target user persona? And then what's the 97% of stuff that we're just going to say, forget about it. We're not doing that. There's no value or like the value isn't strong enough. Um, so applying product management principles to data is really about figuring out what are you not going to reply to in your request queue as, a, as opposed to just processing everything. Um, and that could mean in the end that you're you're still doing data projects. Um, but to me, that's actually a, a huge step change for a lot of organizations to go from processing individual requests to delivering data projects. That's actually a step change that I, I think is a prerequisite before um, organizations can scale to doing kind of data products. That's a next stage. Um, yeah, and I think if you if you speak to most organizations today, where they are in their journey is moving from an IT service desk to being able to do data projects. Um, so yeah, with the product management approach of being value driven. Hmm. Yeah. How much does the, in your opinion, does the kind of terminology itself play here? And I know the data industry in general, we've got this horrible habit of debating semantics far too much in yeah. my opinion. Right. But yeah. um, I, I just, you know, probably, this time last year, maybe early, maybe about 15 months or so ago, we, we held one of our events and the, the, the topic was around, you know, data products and data as a product. And, and we had, you know, 15, 20 data leaders sat around a table um, almost arguing by the end because <laughs> it was like, you know, it, yeah. yeah, we're like, no, well, that's no that's not a data product that's I, I look at that as data as a product and i'm kind of sorry thinking how the hell are we going to move this conversation <laughs> conversation forward yeah absolutely i think for me the the key importance in the kind of being specific about terminology is in being able to know what goal you want to achieve and who you need to hire in order to achieve that goal so um that's that's to me where the terminology becomes important is like there's a lot of people that have the job title data product manager who maybe aren't doing data product management. And so if you put them in a job where they're responsible for doing it, they might fail. Um, so, so clarifying terminology for that purpose is in my view, quite important. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think the, the piece on hiring is, is interesting because, and again, probably back to the situation we find ourselves in, but it almost feels like businesses are now doing data projects and but they are you know hiring people who are effectively you know project managers or BAs but they're calling them product owners or product managers managers and it kind of you know i mean our industry in general job titles are so unstandardized that you know nothing surprises yeah. me anymore but we kind of i don't i don't know sometimes whether we create a rod for our own back because we've got these people now called you know data product owners or data product managers and you look at what they do and actually they're often just the bridge between the central data team and the and the, and the domain and they just want to make ensure adoption is happening and i'm not sometimes i look at that and i think well does it matter whether we you know whether that's happening if people are adopting or you know are we creating a kind of false economy out of this somewhere you know it yeah it depends so um it depends what your success measure is and i think um if usage is your success measure then you know that person is driving that success measure it's just there's probably a better success measure for your data initiative than 
than usage. So um, I, I guess I'll talk about where where would I hire my first data PM? Um, I would actually not put them in a data team or a BI team. I would put them in a growth team. Uh, I would put them in a growth team that sits between product and sales. And I would give them like a piece of the customer life cycle to optimize. I'd say, you know, you either you own the acquisition funnel or you own activation or you own retention, like one of those things. Now go figure out how to improve it using data. Um, so so I think the, the first step is like to, to really driving product management principles in data is actually aligning the PMs into a business function where they have they own a business KPI um, and a value measurable value KPI as opposed to just having an adoption or usage um, KPI. Mm, yeah, are there? I guess based on what you're saying there, there's kind of different types of data product managers then in terms of the type of things, type of problems they're addressing, where they're sitting in the organization, that whole org structure around. Yeah, okay that just talk us through that and i guess then you know are there certain types of data product managers which are more suited to certain types of businesses or Mm -hmm. sectors is that a consideration yeah Yeah, definitely so so i think you have kind of a spectrum between platform type product managers and let's call them feature type product managers Um, and that applies to the world of data as well so like a platform pm to me would sit more in like a central data team and their job is to make sure that the business is enabled to do their jobs with data. And that's inherently difficult to measure um, whether they're doing that well or not. You do need to use like usage and adoption kind of as a proxy for whether they're delivering value. And then on the, on the other end of the spectrum, you have more of a, a PM that's aligned to like a really specific outcome or use case. So where I've seen this type of product manager um quite commonly is in like uh b2b SaaS companies um where what they they need to do is defend to their customers that their product is actually delivering the value that they say it delivers and they need to use data in order to make that argument Mm. so you have all of these customer success managers getting all of these ad hoc requests from their customers like in a fintech it would be like what's the rate of uh, failures in my payments, for example, and you really want to be able to say like, there's a very low failure rate in your payments. Look, our our system has a higher success r- uh, rate of completed payments versus the competitor, and so therefore you want to use us because we give you more money in the end. Um, so the job of a data product manager in that type of environment would be to take all of these ad hoc requests that are hitting the customer success management team and figure out what are the top ten questions that keep reoccurring over and over again, and then to build a set of tools that provides a standardized answer to those questions for the CSM team to consult. Um, So that that would be an example of like, you know, a PM that's more aligned to a use case and a specific problem set and a specific customer. Um, Yeah, the the platform side is more like massive enterprises um, with like a central data team um so there's a spectrum and and i would say one of the biggest mistakes you can do is is interchange those people um they're usually not very interchangeable like one requires a lot more expertise in the business whereas one requires a lot more expertise in technology Mm -hmm. yeah that's fascinating i guess 
to bring it to i guess what i'm trying to understand here is what are some of the maybe the similarities and then differences between you know regular products and quotation marks and then what we now know or see as data products yeah it's a good question so i think um with regular products the the product is kind of it's a finished product by the time it reaches the consumer and we can kind of agree upon what's a raw material like the wood versus what's the finished product like the chair um and the the finished product delivers like sort of relatively constant value to all of the consumers of that product um whereas with the data product um the line between raw material and product is less well defined like my my raw material may be your finished product for example so like just as a really concrete example if you have a list of customer phone numbers or something for a salesperson that's a product yeah. they can they can go and call them that's amazing for an analyst who wants to be able to do some segmentation by who lives in which areas they need to do a whole bunch of data preparation to parse out the area code to then map that to postcodes to then figure out like what's the density of the customer base across different geographies um so for them that would be like a raw material so i think that's one big difference um and then another big difference is in the just the the nature of the supply chain so in a regular product it's the manufacturer of the product that owns the entire supply chain and then the consumer just gets the finished product whereas with data the consumer is actually involved in the supply chain kind of production process they're doing a lot of the refinement themselves so that's another huge difference and then um the third biggest difference is that in a traditional product your supply chain is linear it's a pipeline it's you know it goes from raw material to finished product in a very linear way whereas with data products we want to turn this linear process into more of an iterative feedback cycle like a, like loops um whereby as somebody's making customizations and refinements to a product that ends up getting fed back into the upstream process that makes that product resellable to other customers um and i know like harbor is a platform that is built in order to to manage that process of creating customized products and then distributing them through a a marketplace to all sorts of data consumers mm. yeah i guess what starting to creep into there about obviously the the role that the consumer of these products plays which is a i guess a really interesting landscape especially across the data analytics spectrum with the whole kind of um you know surge towards self-serve right you know everyone yeah. you know so i guess it's a real interesting um kind of topic when you've got you know the the whole push towards trying to create self-serve environments but equally mm -hmm. then you've got these people sat operating as data products managers or owners or whatever the case may be that are you know acting as the bridge between data and the business and making sure it's used and all that type of of stuff well where where do the lines start to blur here like what is the relationship between self-serve analytics and data as a product Mm, that's a great question. So I would say data as a product is the foundation for enabling self-service analytics, because mm -hmm. if you don't have kind of a robust uh, way of delivering data to your business users, they're, they're going to have a really hard time consuming it. If you, if you give them too raw of materials, they may not have the expertise to refine it. So 
applying data as a product enables you to create, um, like essentially data as a product is about distributed ownership and self-service analytics is also about distributed ownership, which is why they go hand in hand. Um, it's about like data as a product is about putting the domain experts in charge of the refinement process of, and creation and management of the business logic that goes into um, those those data products. So I would say they go hand in hand. If you're thinking about deploying self-service, you also need to think about deploying data as a product. And if you're thinking about deploying data as a product, you also need to think about self-service because self-service is what enables the creation of data as a product. Hmm. What in your eyes then constitutes a data product because this is something i <laughs> i mean I see, these, I, I see these debates on linkedin and i, I can't yeah. help but laugh because obviously you know some people are really passionate about this and get get really high rate and uh, yeah. i've been in rooms where this gets discussed and debated and you know it's like is is a is a dashboard a product and and you just have all of these you know kind of well, what, what's your what's your stance on on that it's so to me a, a product is something that delivers value but not in a project way but like it's not like we've delivered the value and now it's done and finished but rather it delivers value continuously repeatedly it's maintained over time it evolves it changes um it's like the value proposition increases over time um so it's it's something that exists along a time axis um it's something that is designed for mass scale consumption as well. So like if I've designed a dashboard for like one vice president, to me, that's not a product. Um, a product has to be enable, enabling mass consumption. Like that, that's the difference between a product and a service in my mind is the scale of consumption. Um, so yeah, it's really about that continual value delivery in perpetuity uh, as well as the mass scale consumption. And so that can be anything at that point. It can be a dashboard. It can be a code asset. It can be a table. It can be a query. It can be a Python script um, if it meets those criteria. Mm. So it's less about what it is, but it's more about what it can be, like the scalability of it, the usability of it, all of that stuff it's that comes the intangibles. thereafter. It's the intangibles, yeah. And I think, so Harbor, the the data marketplace platform that I mentioned earlier has put a lot of thinking into what is a product versus what is an asset. Um, and they have a Anthony Cosgrove, their CSO has a really good way of describing it. An asset is the unit of interaction. So I might interact with a table or a query or a code asset or a dashboard or a model or you know whatever it is. Uh, it becomes a product when it's a unit of transaction. So because they're a marketplace, people actually transact on products. And so if you're transacting on something mm -hmm. It's because it has value. Um, so it's really the value piece that determines whether it's a product more than the output itself. Mm. I guess of so the the companies then that you're engaging with that are interested in 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 what you do at Cala, where and I know this is really subjective and will vary massively depending upon size and yeah. scale and sector and stuff. But where do you find most people are? on the journey of understanding all of 
this because I think that's what fascinates me is that people are going to be yeah. in such different places, but there, you know, the, there seems to be a, an awful lot of confusion around data product data as yeah, a product yeah. in in the market, and and I can only imagine that the conversations that you have must vary very wildly depending upon they that. do yeah they vary very wildly and i would say that i'm actually a confused person about this topic as well <laughs> i declare myself to be an authority on the topic i would just say i'm spending a lot of time listening to different perspectives and trying to explain and rationalize what, what it is to myself as well so yeah i would i wouldn't just because i'm on a podcast talking about it doesn't mean that i know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i guess where do you find then that these businesses are on on this spectrum no, uh, yeah, there, I mean, like maturity wise of, maturity of wise, this topic i think most companies are still stuck in the we're an it like the data team is an it service desk and they haven't got to the point of being able to just say we delivered a well so they deliver a lot of the technology projects like we we upgraded to the cloud or we migrated to cloud rather or like we upgraded our database you know like but but actually, they, they aren't even delivering data projects where they can say, like, we produced this insight, which had this impact on the business. Most people aren't there. They're still in the stage of delivering technology products. So projects, rather. So I, I actually think, like, the discussion about data as a product is almost premature. It's like, how do we move from the stage of talking about technology projects to talking about insight projects like that in itself would already be like a massive shift for so many companies mm, yeah. um, so where based on your opinion then of the conversations that you're having that leads you to to that conclusion that and, and look i completely echo everything that you're saying there i think you know most most data teams are still very much you know they are building a platform they are migrating to the cloud there you know that that is what data teams in quotation marks get hired to do because that's what organizations believe that's what the job is right which is a really interesting but quite sobering um reality of the of the current situation i i guess but in in terms of you know moving that along and getting to the point of okay let's start to you know move this conversation along what what, the, what then become i guess the challenges and the potential benefits that organizations will face when they eventually start to pursue, you know, let's build some data type products and all of that stuff. Um, yeah. So the, the benefits are that they'll be able to measure the value and deliver it at scale because that is, the, that is what a product enables. Um, they'll, they'll be able to also, um, move their data ownership from a central data team to pushing it into a distributed ownership model where each business unit is responsible for their own kind of data assets and pulling that together for um, kind of cross-domain use. Uh, I think that's the benefits. The challenges, I think the biggest challenge for me is the incentive um, because, you know, data teams have an incentive to model data well because that is their job. Whereas like if you were to go to a marketing analyst and say, your job is to build this campaign's data product that the sales team can reuse, they're going to be like, why? Why do I care? So so that to me is the, the biggest um, mm -hmm. unspoken hurdle in the whole data mesh discussion is like, what? how do you create incentives for people to 
build high leverage products that are designed for use in departments that are not their own because there's actually a huge amount of work and effort in doing that um and i don't have an answer to that and i think that's a, that's the biggest barrier to this whole discussion i mean that's that's fascinating because i guess um that really plays into you know total i get sucked into conversations all the time about you know roi for the data teams provide or don't provide as as often is the is the case and i think often it comes down to you know the the kind of attribution of the impact that they've had in that process because it's not directly often it's not directly them delivering an action that has resulted in the ROI, right? You know, it's they've helped the sales team by providing them with an insight that's resulted in X, you know, 10 million yeah. pounds worth more There's uplift. Too but many degrees of removal. Yeah. You know, so I guess that that statement there is probably uh, reflective of how a lot of data professionals feel, right? You know, because it's kind of like, well, it's not quite me. It's not me doing this. So what's it's going to benefit somebody else. But I guess, you know, maybe it's a whole mindset thing around that, that is the job, right, of a data team. However, you know, data analytics team, I guess, which is building leverage for others. For others, unfortunately, take all the credit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, go back to the the football analogy, right? You know, you've got um, you've got all your, you know, the the players that run around and you know kick people and do all the the kind of the hard work and then you get the goal scorer who takes all the credit right um that's exactly kind of like the, that's kind of, are exactly yeah. they're like defense kind of yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely um you started to speak about data mesh there which again um, is you know definitely a whole topic in of itself for a podcast but i'm just interested in your i guess your opinion and and view on how all of that fits together with the whole data product slash data as a product piece. Is, is there any kind of, you know, anything there with that? Um, yeah. I mean, again, my, my understanding of this is, is like fairly simplistic. It's, it's just that data, the idea of a data mesh is, is once again, that you enable distributed ownership of data products so that, yep. you know, like, Product, the product management team owns the user behavioral data set of like what actions are people taking in our product. The sales team owns the revenue data of like what is the annual contract value and lifetime value of customers. And then like there's this like need to combine the two to be able to see how do this, the user behavior in the product lead to revenue. Um, and so if you have a data mesh architecture, a growth analyst who sits in between product and sales can then go and take each of these assets that are managed by their respective domains and combine it to do uh, their own analysis. So, so it's the data mesh architecture is really about enabling cross-domain analysis at the end of the day. And the yeah. only way to enable cross-domain analysis is if you have distributed ownership of data, because if it's all centralized, then you have technical like technical people owning the business logic who don't understand the business itself. And then that's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things that I want to make sure that we touch upon Bethany before we finish up here, but I guess from a structural perspective. So, you know, if you have a business out there, that's, um, you know, got a central data analytics team mm -hmm. um, and they're, on this journey now to starting to build data products. And, you know, the, there are, there are many, out there that are looking at this stuff and, and starting to to do it but 
in terms of organizational structure, is there a, a right or wrong to this, in your opinion, in terms of how you get the best out of that, you know, in terms of what a good setup looks like and how you, you link it all together? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So I think for me, one of the really important points of success is aligning your product managers to a business function initially. Um so again, we talked about the two types of product managers. There's more the feature team type PMs, like trying to move a metric. And then you have more the platform PMs trying to like drive adoption. I would start with the people that are, uh, I would start with hiring like a feature team type PM that's like aligned to say the customer success team. Um, because then you can deliver value. And then once you start to deliver value, then you can figure out how do we scale this. And once you get to scale, then you can hire the backend platform PM to figure out how to bring it across the, the organization. I think what a lot of organizations do is the reverse. They try to scale before they've proven product market fit. That's that's maybe a way of thinking of, of it is like find product market fit for your data team before you try to scale your data team. And I think that's why actually so many data initiatives fail is because we're going straight for scale without first having product market fit. Yeah, which is fascinating because you constantly hear, and you know the the debate around quick wins, right? You know, start small, prove the value, then scale. Um, yeah. But you're right. I think most most do go for you know we we're trying to look at this enterprise wide, so we need to build something that's fit for purpose for everybody. And yeah, absolutely, very interesting. Um, I guess in terms of people themselves then. So I think end of 2021, I started to, you know, through through the back end of 2021, I started to see and hear and have a lot of conversations around businesses talking about data products and data mm. as a product. And this was going to, and it just felt like at that point that this was something that was going to become big, like the next wave of of hype if you want to call it that around kind of job titles and and stuff like that and i think we're we're starting to get to that point now you know we we as a business we're getting more and more work in the data product space which is interesting but equally fascinating because it all looks different in different organizations in terms of you yeah. know what what definitions and what they want these people to do etc um but I had a, I was speaking on an external event a few weeks ago and and someone asked me in a in a Q&A you know I'm a I'm a data product manager now but i want to be a data scientist like what you know what advice have you got for me and i was kind of like don't <laughs> you know my advice is don't because um I'm sure you data, science... a data engineer if yeah you <laughs> yeah science. exactly but i think data um you know data science will undoubtedly have its day again i think it you know went through a big hype cycle and we realized that most businesses just weren't ready for it and you know that's been the whole last two or three years has been engineering and architecture and all of that type of stuff but um you know in my eyes at this moment in time like i think date to product is on a trajectory where if you're in that space you're probably about to um to make hey well the 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 sun shines right so uh, I, I guess in your opinion what should data product people be doing to kind of you know embrace this potential wave of opportunity that's about to come across the the data analytics industry from a product standpoint um that's a good it's a good question so what i would do is if i wanted to become a data pm is i would go speak to the people who have been doing it for 30 years already uh they work at s p at moody's at bloomberg like they they have already these kind of data providers to the financial services industry have kind of figured out how to do data as a product. 
uh, already. So like, I don't know, I met a, the PM of like um, fixed income at like uh, S&P, for example, recently, or there's like mm -hmm. a PM of like private equity and like their job is to essentially deeply understand the job of people that work in private equity and then figure out what data assets can we serve them with to help them better do their job. And then they go and source all the data and then they curate it and then they provide it in like a kind of a marketplace as a product for them. So, so I think um, there's a lot to be learned from those kind of uh, financial services data providers around how to do data as a product. Um, and in fact, if I had to hire a data product manager right now, I'd be looking at kind of Bloomberg and those types of companies as places to recruit from, um, rather than like trying to figure out how to make a product manager a data person or trying to figure out how to make a data person a product manager. I'd, I'd go straight for the people that already are data PMs. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, you, you're, you're going after PMs, yeah. but the just by the nature of what the business do, they are, it's data is their product, right? So they've not had to it's think about it in any other way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So we're going to see that I think trend uh, become normalized um, across loads of industries. So it's a very it's a it's definitely a burgeoning and exciting field to be in. Um, so so yeah, very good to position yourself from a career perspective to to become a data product manager. Hundred percent. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you then. You I've heard you mention the term marketplace several times um and obviously yeah. then you just talked about how bloomberg and smp they've you know they take these what the business needs they create the products they serve it up to them in a marketplace do you see that being almost like the end goal for a lot of businesses in terms of you yeah. know the creating these almost like internal marketplaces where their mm -hmm. their consumers go and you know source these products that they need yes 100 percent. and cow is actually partnered with harbor because we're so so much taking a bet on the fact that that is what data as a product is going to become uh, delivered through an internal private marketplace. Um, hmm. And so today, like today, the customers on Harbor's platform are data providers like CoreLogic and Moody's. Um, I think in the future, Harbor will be deployed as an internal marketplace inside of any company at all as a way to make data products accessible to the business but also customizable by the business. And so the way that we've kind of set up the integration is that uh, Harbor is the store, if you will, for finding the assets. And then Kawa is the exploratory interface for um, evaluating the data and its usefulness. And then for also creating customized data products that then can be republished back into the marketplace. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating. Well, Bethany, look, I'm conscious of your time. I know you're... Uh leading in a startup which um you know, is uh is always challenging so um we'll let you get back to your day but thank you very much for uh giving up some time and coming on the show it's been a, a delight speaking to you as always and yeah look forward to seeing how the rest of your journey and cowers unfold thank you so much and thanks so much for the invitation to join it's been a, a delight speaking with you today about about data products that's it for this episode of driven by data the podcast i hope you enjoyed it I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, 
like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.